Time for Talk of the Town with Lisa Kay. We are back on Talk of the Town today here on KTOE. Lisa Kay in the studio. And on the phone with me today, I've got our regional wildlife manager for the southern region with the DNR. We've got David Trauba on the phone. Thank you so much for joining me, David. How are you? I'm doing well, Lisa. Yeah. I'm glad to be on your show today. Well, thank you so much. Uh, we have a lot to talk about, a lot to get through. Uh, first of all, when you say regional wildlife manager with the DNR, I'm not exactly certain what it is that you do um, compared to some of the other folks that I've talked to, but your region for, so southern region of the state, how many regions are, is the state of Minnesota broken up to as far as the DNR is concerned? Right, yeah, we have four regions right now. So we'd be region four, um, Region 1 would be what we call the northwest part of the state, and then Region 2 is the Arrowhead, then Region 3 is kind of the, you know, Mississippi River corridor up through a little bit through the central part of the state, and then Region 4 in the southern part, we got the 32 counties in the south, central and southwest part of the state, Lisa. So where are you stationed out of? I'm in the New Ulm Regional Office. Okay. So. Yeah, my job as a regional wildlife manager, I'm, you know, if I boil it down, I, I oversee all wildlife operations in the southern part of the state. Uh, with maybe the exception, we have a wildlife research branch. They're stationed out of Medeo. They're, they, if you will, would be supervised out of St. Paul. But we have eight area wildlife offices and staff of around 50 uh, full, uh, full-time and seasonal employees scattered throughout the areas. You know, so close by to your to your area, and, and we have an office in Rice Lake over by Oatana. We have the Nicollet office. New Ulm is the regional office, but we also, you know, have offices over in Wyndham, Marshall, uh, Slayton at Talcott Lake. Then we go up a little bit, then we have our Appleton and Lackaparral WMA offices. And just a little bit east there, we have offices in New London. So we have eight area offices. Again, around, you know, 45, 50 employees. We have a roving crew. So we do all the habitat, population, and facility work throughout the region. So what we do is we our biggest job is really doing habitat work on our wildlife management areas. Those are state-acquired public lands dedicated for, for the production of wildlife, and they're open to compatible outdoor recreational uses. We have around 700 wildlife management areas for about 200,000 acres throughout the region. So that's what we do. We do a lot of habitat work. Um, if we acquire new lands from willing sellers, right, then we're putting those lands back. We're, you know, restoring the wetlands on the property. We're doing prairie restoration work on those properties, putting habitat back on the ground. We do a lot of population and survey work, you know, going out and, you know, this time of year we have a predator scent pole survey. It's a, like a small disc and we put down a special type of sand and then predators will visit that at night and we go out there and look at their tracks. We kind of have an index what we have for predators on the landscape. We just finished up the August roadside survey. You know, that kind of gets to the index to how many pheasants we have on the landscape and other farmland birds animals and then we also rounding it out with a lot of facility work you know our, our road system our parking lot so lisa that keeps us pretty busy in in the real snapshot of, of what we do here in the in the wildlife section and can you tell me a little bit about the differences between like a conservation officer and what would they do compared to what you're you're doing um yeah exactly uh conservation officer really deals with 
to laws and regulations related to hunting, fishing, and trapping season, outdoor recreation. So conservation officers, they all have, like us, they all have their geographic, you know, if you will, patrol areas. But they're out there to make contact with hunters, fishermen, our outdoor users, and to make sure they're following the, the laws and regulations for the activity they're in. Wildlife staff, we don't have any enforcement authority. So we're very much out there, you know, again, doing the habitat work, population work, but we really rely on our conservation officers to kind of to deal with the rules and regulations. You know, we'll be out there like, you know, this coming week when we have the waterfall season opener. Mm-hmm. So, for example, our staff will be out there. We'll be out, you know, counting cars, you know, kind of how many, you know, people are out, you know, waterfall hunting this weekend. We're going to have a kind of long-term database on that. And then we'll stop and and interview hunters like, hey, how was it today? You know, did, you know, and then we'll... You know, do a bag check. We will look at their ducks, but we're not checking their hunting licenses. We're not going to check to make sure their their gun has a plug in it, right? That's right. what our conservation officers do. Okay, so specific differences there. That's good to understand when we when we head out. Maybe we run into uh, somebody from the wildlife management offices. Um, how did you get into this work? Tell me a little bit about your background as far as and and now you're in charge of the southern portion of our state. Yeah, it's a, it's, it's a, I think it's an interesting story, Lisa. I'm, a, <laughs> I'm one of those people from uh, the state to our east, so I'm, I grew up in Wisconsin, uh, southeast part of the state. Um, back then, very rural, uh, classic, uh, when you think of Wisconsin, you think of small dairy barns and, and, and cows and corn and alfalfa, and that's the area I grew up in, southeast part of the state, and but my really my love for my outdoors, my you know, no surprise to you, Lisa, my hunt and my our family hunted and fished and camped. Mm-hmm. And that's what we did. And I had the fortunate to grow up next to Horicon National Wildlife Refuge and then the Thrusa State Marsh. So waterfall was very much in our blood. Back in those days over oh geez, you know, nearly a million can of geese. So wildlife was front and center to our family. So that got my passion, right, and that connection to outdoors. And I was very fortunate to have uh, in Wisconsin, we have University of Wisconsin-Stevens Plant, which is probably one of the best undergraduate schools for, for wildlife research. And I just remember being a freshman in high school looking up at a poster of a, a gentleman holding two black bear cubs, and I thought, that's what I want to do in life. <laughs> and... Uh, Went to UW-Stevens Point, got my Bachelor of Science degree, and lo and behold, I went on for my master's degree, guess what, studying blackberry ecology. Huh. So actually, for three years, I was on Stockton Island, which is an island in the middle of Lake Superior. It was part of the Apostle Island chain. And I had the privilege of studying bears for three years on a very isolated island. Uh, finished up my master's degree then went on and i actually took a job in minnesota so my wife and i were married for about two years we have a two-year-old son moved him all the way up 10 <laughs> 10 hours from home all the way up to ely minnesota and i worked with the forest service guess what on a blackberry college oh, project yeah. for a year and my wife said and i always remember this we're really poor get a real job <laughs> <laughs> and then i started applying for minnesota dnr positions and i was fortunate to land down at the lack pearl wildlife management area which is in region four it's a major unit we have eight major units in the state 
and landed at Lac Pro WMA, and it was like landing back home in Wisconsin. Um, lots of Canada geese. Uh, that's where the restoration of Canada geese began. Uh, migratory bird. I mean, it was just lots and lots of waterfall, lots of prairie. It was just a great place to raise a family. I was there for 24 years. Uh, and then uh, Ken Barlow, the regional manager, retired, and he said, Dave, I think you'd be a good fit for the regional wildlife manager. And I lost a lot of sleep on it, uh, but I did make the jump, and I love it. I just love overseeing the, the good work we're doing throughout the southern region. We have very passionate, motivated staff, and I think I've been in the regional chair, seems like just yesterday, but I think it's eight years now. Oh, wow. So in In short, that's... That's how I landed in Minnesota. We actually, my wife and I were talking, we now live in Minnesota longer than we did in Wisconsin. So I very much feel like Minnesota is home, although I'm still a Packer fan. So. <laughs> we'll forgive you for that. Some I, there you go, Lisa. We got some yeah. of those in the building, so it's okay. You're probably going to fit in with about half of them. So, uh, yeah. You know, it's interesting as you were talking about um, uh, graduating from high school and deciding where to go to college and what to do. I've always told this, and I told my, my kids who are you know now some adult kids too, uh, whatever you do, make sure that you love what you're doing. You'll never work a day in your life, that kind of thing. This sounds exactly like what you did. Lisa, I think you're, you're right on that. I mean, it's just, I was just, maybe I was fortunate. I just looked at that, and it, it was that career path. And again, I think our staff, in yeah, I would say within the DNR, we we tend to have motivated, mission-driven staff, and I think we're very fortunate for that. Um, and the amazing thing is, by far, most of the folks when they're hired with the DNR, that's where they spend their entire career. Again, just because that was their calling early in life, they believe in what they do. They have that, you know, again, that passion and drive to do their job. So, like you said. It doesn't feel like work. Now, having said that, right, for all of us, some days feel <laughs> like work. They truly do. And But other days just blow by, and then there's some, you know, get to go out and work on research projects or get to go out, you know, spend a day walking on the prairie, assessing conditions, restoring wetlands, right? You know, that's uh, those are the days you always remember, and, and you, you kind of pinch yourself and say, boy, am I lucky to be here. Yeah, sometimes. Am I getting paid for this, really? I think about that <laughs> sitting here in the studio, just having great conversations with people. And one of those conversations that we're having today is with our friend David Treba. He is the Southern Region DNR Wildlife Manager. We're in a hunting season right now. So can we talk a little bit about the outlook? What, what seasons are we in? Where are we going? Uh, what do we need to know? Yeah, Lisa, and actually we got another other governor's event this year mm -hmm. in Region 4. So that's quite the honor, two of them. But yeah. the governor's uh, pheasant opener is going to be uh, hosted in the Oatana area this coming year. Are so you that's gonna, quite are, the feather. Are you going to go to that? So, yep, yeah, well, uh, we'll be there on Friday. We have a public lands dedication. And then on, on Saturday, Saturday is a hunting event. But I think that's really a, a feather for our listening area where we have uh, two governor events in our in our region, so just, you know, had to kind of go down that road just a little bit, but no, Lisa, you're right, we got a lot of hunting seasons going on, a few have concluded, so we'll just kind of go through the calendar, I mean, on 1 September, it always kicks off, the first season that actually kicks off is always the uh, dove season, morning dove season, and that is, uh, that's actually grown in popularity, it really requires small grain fields, but that, that's still going on. 
But doves are very early migrants, so the bulk of those birds are already, you know, in states further to our south. And then on the next day, we had the early goose season open up, and then for us, if you're waterfall hunters, the early teal season. Now, that early teal season is just meant for teal, right? Mm-hmm. Hence the name, and it's an, this is their third year of the experimental hunt. And the reason we have that special hunt is because, like morning dove, teal are a very early migrant. Okay. A lot of teal that we were maybe hunting around on the opener could very well be down in Missouri, Arkansas, Louisiana. They they migrate very, very early, especially blueing teal. And so what we need to do with that season, it's experimental. We expect it to become operational, but we actually have what we call spy blinds, where we have some of our staff out watching hunters to make sure that they're not shooting at non-target ducks, right? Because it's only teal. So, Lisa, for you, if there's mallards, pintails, widgeon, gadwalls, a whole bunch of other ducks, wood ducks, they're off limits. It's only meant for teal. The season starts at sunset because of that, so you got more sunlight so you can ID birds. And so far, over the last two years, compliance has been very, very good. We're well within the fish and wildlife threshold, so... I think the early teal season is going to become more operational. And what we know this year, I think we have, we had, a, I think, a noticeable uptick in participation. I think word got out that this opportunity is here. Uh, so we were pretty impressed with some of the car counts we were seeing. Um, other than that, you know, we're, last weekend was, a, a, well, small game opened up. Uh, Lisa, for you, actually, the number one game bird in the state, and for your listeners, is rough grouse. So the rough grouse season opened up in northern Minnesota. Okay. And I think in some years over, I mean, harvest would be over a million birds and hundreds of thousands of people hunting rough grouse. And being down here in the farmland area, we don't talk rough grouse so much. But if we were up north, that is a very big deal on the rough grouse season. Around here, the big one was archery deer season opened up on Saturday. And okay. that will run all the way through December. Really, when I look out at deer, it's really nothing but positive. Our our deer herd in this area of the state is very healthy. We are giving out more opportunity for being able to hunt deer, um, meaning we have areas that have a two or three deer deer limit. Uh, some areas that we call hunter choice now where you don't have to apply for the lottery. And then most of our lottery areas, we gave out more permits. Um, so deer herds are strong in the immediate listening area here. We don't have to worry about chronic wasting disease yet. You know, if you get east of your listening area, obviously that becomes an issue. Hunters that are hunting in that in those CWD areas will be getting a postcard you know, kind of making a plan, making sure they know all the rules and regulations relative to mandatory sampling on deer. I don't want to go too far on that. That's a whole show in itself. Yeah, we should do that. And then the other, uh, Lisa, just real quick, I you know, I know we're about 15 minutes in here, but I think the other big season this year, to me, that really kicks off the season is the regular waterfall season opener is this Saturday. And uh, so that's all ducks, if you will. Um, and we have three different zones in the state. Hunters need to be aware of that. Regulation books are out now. They're, they were a little bit delayed. 
uh, the, in the, at the printer, if you will, but, uh, you know, our um, hunting regulation booklet and the waterfall supplement are now available and out in stores. So if folks obviously have questions, they need to grab them. We got time, Lisa, to talk about some new regulations for this year. <laughs> that was my next question. I know that there are some new, you, you mentioned uh, the archery deer season, and I know things have changed with that from like crossbows. Is that, did I get that right? Yeah, you did. You certainly did, Lisa. Yeah, crossbows are now legal during the um, archery deer season uh, this year and would also be applicable during the spring turkey season if you have a uh, archery license for turkey. And that was a big change. And quite honestly, for your listeners, that wasn't something that we really saw on the horizon. That was um, uh, a legislatively driven, um, uh, if you will, a uh, uh, a law, if you will, that came from the legislature. We didn't see it coming, um, but we certainly support it. And so, if and we're seeing an uptick in archery license sales, I can just say that. I know that uh, Shield Sporting Goods store to ask them, "Hey, are you selling more crossbows?" <laughs> like they said, "Yeah, we can't <laughs> can't keep them on the shelf," type of deal. So it seems like there's a lot of interest. Now, we're going to ask crossbow hunters when they're successful, archery hunters when they're successful, you know, did you take it with a crossbow or a conventional bow? And that's just for us to kind of analyze. We've got to do a report back to the legislature on the outcome of the of the crossbow season. And I think we'll expect, you know, I don't think overall deer harvest is going to change. We'll probably see an uptick in archery deer license that might be compensated elsewhere. Um, but the, I think our attitude is that if it gets people outdoors more time in the field, that's that's all a good thing. And the other rule, one I think that would be um, pertinent to mention, too, a, a lot of pop-up blinds. If you go, I mean, those little blinds that are like collapsible and they pop up, mm-hmm. very popular for, for turkey and deer hunting. But if you're using them on public land, pop-up blinds on public land this year, you need to have some blaze orange fabric on that pop-up line. So that's a new regulation for this year. We're just trying to get the word out on that. And then there's a whole host of deer changes. Again, they're all outlined in our hunting regulation booklet. And, uh, again, they are available, Lisa. We're going to make sure people get uh, links to head off at the end of our time together here. Um, Quickly, let's just touch on some safety issues as people are heading out this weekend for waterfowl. Yeah, exactly. Safety never takes a break. Let's just say that up front. I guess I I should say and uh, and deer. And deer, yeah. I mean, it's just hunting is actually a very safe pastime. uh, And what really helped there is hunter safety training. It's now required. Uh, for for people they're going to take up hunting there are apprentices but you know bottom line just always be aware of of uh, how you're handling your firearm keep that muzzle point in a safe direction be aware of your backstop um you know don't rush and i can just remember i mean getting buck fever you kind of get that tunnel vision uh, just just really be aware of your surrounding be be aware of what's downrange take your time um, don't exert yourself and it's sometimes easier said than done but uh, safety is important well absolutely well, how do we get more information on some of these changes if people missed maybe part of the conversation and aren't going to listen to it in the replay is there a great place on your website to go yeah, absolutely. I, I always recommend people visit our, our DNR website, mndnr.gov, mndnr.gov, 
and it is absolutely a wealth of information. You can go to hunting and trapping section. There'll be, you know, deer, bear, waterfall, et cetera, and multiple lengths, health information, all the season dates, all the regulations, tips, tricks, you name it, how to make a plan, Lisa, one-stop shopping for you. I'm going to put the link down below on the show notes, ktoe.com, on the podcast or the blog site. And hopefully we'll run into each other in person then because I think I'm doing my show live from the media area at the Governor's Pheasant Opener that's coming up. So we're looking forward to that. And then looking forward, of course, to having you on again here on Talk of the Town, our Southern Regional DNR Wildlife Manager, David Troba, joining us today on Talk of the Town. David, thank you so much. Yeah, thank you, Lisa.